You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, everybody? John and Pemby here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast. And Coop, we are recording here on Wednesday evening as usual. However, this is now the evening before the official start of the fantasy football season. We have week one, Thursday, Tampa Bay, Dallas Cowboys kicking it off. Exciting times. We finally made it, man. We're here, dude. It's like it's like Christmas morning, or I guess more like Christmas Eve. But you're, when you're listening to this tomorrow, it will be Christmas morning for you, and you get football. And when you open it up, I mean, before you even open it, you know what you're getting. You're getting the best thing there is in the world. So you're welcome. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I was excited to watch all of the preseason games, maybe more excited than I've ever been to watch preseason football. And, and now we have the real thing, all of the hard work preparation, all the draft guide articles, I, all the drafts that you and I have done recording in Wednesday. Uh, I still have two more drafts to do tonight before before tomorrow. Still a lot going on here, but we're going to go ahead and preview all of the games rapid fire and give our, our hot takes, things we're looking for, things we're expecting in each matchup in week one. You can go ahead and right now and read Coop's Corner article where he basically goes ahead and, and gives you the takes as well. Things that he's looking for. So you definitely have to make sure that you check that out here. But Coop, let's just jump into it here. Opening night, Thursday night football, Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We got the banner raising ceremony going on. Tampa Bay is an eight point favorite in this game. What are some of the key things that you're looking for in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I want to say is that I truly feel like this was for me a turning point in me going from kind of a fantasy football fan to a fantasy analyst in that before I was just watching football, things were happening, and I was kind of absorbing it as it happened. At a certain point, a few years back, I started thinking about things in terms of what will I see in this game that will change the way that I think? What What is something that I might see here that might become actionable data that I can use in my, in my own league? So like, for me, if you're new to fantasy football, if you've been doing it for a long time, this podcast right here, should help like you turn the corner in terms of okay i was just gonna watch a football game but now inside of this football game i'm looking for very specific things that could help me with my fantasy football league and i already kind of know about them in advance i mean i don't know if you think the same way john but for me that was a big turning point for a few years back that's when i realized i can do this because i was thinking about these things whether they happen the way I thought or not, it changed the way I thought. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we're always looking for. That's what we talk about. And I mean, you couldn't, you've you've written the article on the scratch ticket versus lottery ticket type, you know, how to build a bench. And these games are where you get those confirmations on your analysis on players or how you think schemes are going to work. And, and, and in this game, we're not going to get answers right away. This is a really tough game for, for Dallas. But going into Tampa Bay on a banner-raising ceremony, we know how good Tampa Bay's defense is. Dallas is going to be without uh, one of, at least one of their offensive linemen, key offensive linemen in this game here. And someone that we were high on as a bounce-back candidate this season was Zeke Elliott. Now, this isn't going to be a good week one, I don't think, for us. It's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough spot to be in, but I believe in Zeke long-term. But, you know, what are, you, what are your expectations for Dallas, and how do you think this offense is really going to fare against Tampa Bay here? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, but I think the good side of that is that it's not a, it's not a spot where the Tony Pollard truthers can probably leapfrog because the run defense is stout across the board. It's not going to be any less stout for Pollard than it is for Zeke. We saw last year with the Eagles defense, Zeke 
even against a stout defense, Zeke did well. Pollard didn't do that great. So, I mean, I wouldn't hang your hat on what happens today with Zeke. One thing that I'm looking for, the big thing, and this actually goes for both teams, oddly, because they're both in a similar situation, right? When you have three wide receivers, two pass catching backs, two tight ends, there's going to be at a certain point for both teams a situation where they put two tight ends on the field. It's bound to happen. Teams do not use three wide receivers for every single play. It just even the teams like the Cardinals and the Bills didn't do that. Bills were close to 80-85%, but somebody was coming off at certain points. What I'm interested to see is when it's when it's Gronk and OJ Howard or when it's Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin, which wide receiver comes out of the game? I mean, with the uh, Buccaneers, that's a really interesting one because Mike Evans has a size. If it's red zone, he'll probably be out there. But who do you take out? Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown? I mean, what do you think, John? Well, Godwin piled up on the injury report, Coop. So there's going to be something we have to watch there. If Godwin's not ready to go, AB is going to step into that role. I mean, they're already going to have them both on the field. I know that they go 12, and sometimes they'll take one of them off. In terms of draft season, I've been more likely to draft Antonio Brown where he's going, given his ADP, given how he finished the season, given the the connection we all believe that he has with, with Tom Brady. I, I That's what I want to see. Now, I don't think that they're going to take them off the field, truthfully. like I think Tom wants to go out there and have all those guys on the field for him. But like you said, their formation, the way their offense dictates, one of them has to move. But if Godwin's not ready to go for week one or is limited in week one, Brown's the one that's going to stay on the field. That's not going to be Godwin. That's that's scary for God, Godwin owners. And you and I, we're, we're Godwin fans, but we're also scientists. So when new information comes to light, we have to look at it that way. If you're a Godwin owner, it is scary to think of the idea that if Antonio Brown goes out and he's the one scoring the touchdowns in the red zone and they get to a situation where they say, hey, we want to go jumbo. And it's going to be two tight ends and two wide receivers that Godwin is the odd man out. I mean, veterans, they pull rank all the time. So it's a little scary. And on the flip side with the Cowboys, it's kind of the same thing. Last year, CeeDee Lamb was the guy that came out definitively. He played 64% of the snaps. Got Michael Gallup played 87%. This year, we we do not – I mean, we think that Gallup's kind of moving into a slot role. It's going to be more, more mixed at the very least. But if CeeDee Lamb is playing a full-on two – wide receiver snap share playing 90% of the snaps. That's the situation where the people that took him at wide receiver 12 are going to make their money because he could easily be potentially top five on the flip side. If he's, if it's more of a mix and match and he's not playing a full 80 plus percent snap share, those people are going to be wondering why they they're losing out to guys like maybe Adam Thielen and Jefferson that are playing full snap shares. And that would be the reason why. So very interesting that both these two teams are the, two that I think have this biggest concern in this this one area and we're, we get to see it tomorrow but it's kind of kind of cool it is it is kind of cool I agree with you on that one uh, let's just jump on over to Sunday now uh, a matchup that I want to see because I am very heavily invested in the Seattle Seahawks we have Seattle going in to Indianapolis to face the Colts the the takeaway for me with Seattle was and when it came to cut down day they kept four receivers on on their offense they kept uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Dwayne Eskridge, who they used a second round pick on, and Freddie Swain was their their fourth wide receiver that they kept on the group. So the concentrated pass, you know, uh, target share is gonna remain the same. Eskridge is gonna fill that David Moore role more than likely, but even David Moore wasn't a, a huge snapper volume guy with this offense. It's gonna be all Metcalf, it's gonna be all Lockett, and maybe some Gerald Everett, who they brought in. To be that pass catching tight end option, they came over with with I think it was it was a Waldron came over from the Rams. Shane, yep. and Shane Waldron. Now 
Yeah, and he's now their offensive coordinator, brought Everett over with him. I, I have a lot of Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Westbrook, not basketball season yet, a lot of Russell Wilson <laughs> in basketball and a lot of shares of the, the Seattle offense. So that's what I'm looking for right here. Yeah, I mean, this talk about the opposite of what we just talked about, where it's a super highly consolidated snap and target share amongst DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, think about the days when it was just Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It was happy days. It was beautiful, you know, sunshine, sunshiny day. And then Antonio Brown comes along, kind of muddles that up. If if Antonio Brown wasn't there, we'd be drafting both those guys probably in the top 10. So with the Seahawks, it's pretty locked up. I'm kind of interested to see if Dwayne Eskridge is a guy, if Everett's a guy, like you're saying. But in this game, I'm I'm personally most interested in the other the other side, the Colts, because last year we saw Jonathan Taylor. He broke out. He's very good except for in one aspect, pass blocking, where he graded out as the 144th running back out of 154. With 32 teams in the league, John, is 144 a good running back grade? I don't think it's a good <laughs> running back grade. I'll have to check my math, but it seems well, bad. We'll have to check the math on that, but I would I would venture to say that that's actually pretty, pretty bad. And it explains why Naheem Hines played such a big chunk of those snaps. The, the pass snaps, especially this very first game, I'll be very interested to see how much of that pass work Jonathan Taylor gets, because that's going to be the difference maker for him. We talk about these guys that were drafting on the fringe of the RB ones, the fringe of the wide receiver ones. We know for a lot of them, some of them we don't know for sure, but in this instance, we know exactly what is going to determine whether that guy was worth that pick or not and it's past game work. So what should be terrifying owners or or those who rostered Jonathan Taylor was a report that came out last week. And that's once again, the offense, the, the, the coaches, the offensive coordinator, they want to get Naeem Hines more involved this season. Now they said that last year where they talked to Hines could catch 80 balls. Obviously that didn't happen, but we did see Hines on the field a lot. We did see him in running situations as well, it wasn't just a passing down work. I remember that, I think it was the Titans game, I think it was, where Jonathan Taylor did absolutely nothing, and Naeem Hines was the one that was rushing for touchdowns. I'm pretty sure it was the Titans game. It was, and So that's something to certainly worry about. If they're already coming in and they're like, we want to get Naeem Hines more involved, well, where do they want to get him more involved? They're going to go two running backs and split out Hines as a receiver? Like, I don't know. But that that is never good when offenses leading into the season are like, yeah, we want to get that that guy who has a very special skill set on the field in, involved more. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. The the specialized skill set thing. That's the real that's the real problem there. Is it? And this is a guy that the the team loves. It's like he goes out, he plays special teams, he says all the right things. When and when it's time for him to play, he shows up, just like you said. So anytime you hear them specifically mention a guy like that, it's like in some situations they're kind of lurking there, like James White. But you never really hear them say we need to get James White more touches. So he's right. kind of something you don't worry about. So that's definitely concerning. And I actually hadn't heard that, John. So this is the first time I'm hearing that. So on top of me already being worried, now I'm now I'm terrified. Yeah, not not it's not good, <laughs> not good. But if you're in a PPR league and you have Naeem Hines, your value may be on the rise. So next game on the slate here, we have Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Houston Texans, a game of who's gonna come in last this season. And this is a game that probably it probably couldn't be a better opener for Jacksonville, right? Because Houston is for sure the worst team in football. And Jacksonville has a rookie quarterback, a rookie coach, an offensive system, which is lost one of their first round picks. And now they're going back to just James Robinson with ATN gone. I like Jacksonville a lot this week. I actually think Trevor Lawrence looked fantastic during the preseason. Like he looks like a guy who's ready to step in and play. 
and he's basically playing not really a little hyperbole here, but like a college level defense at this point, right? Like Houston is going to be one of the worst defensive teams in football. They were last year. I think Jags are going to roll in this matchup. I mean, to put in perspective, right, the after the whole Deshaun Watson thing went down, the odd, the over under win total for the Texans was four and a half wins, a number that I haven't seen in this league in the last three or four years. And this is with a 17 game schedule. So nobody had a four and a half over under win total last year coming into the season with a 16 game schedule. They were at four and a half. But now, by the time that the season's rolling in, it's actually trickled down to four. So people are seeing that number and actually saying this team's going to be worse than that. So pretty ugly on that front. We're all excited to see Trevor Lawrence, but I still will be in the deep fantasy gamer that I am. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens after uh, the top Texans pass catcher, which is almost certainly Brandon Cooks. I can't believe he hasn't been traded yet, but <laughs> you know, they made a trade today. So like they could see, we, we don't know if Cooks will be on the roster come Sunday, but yeah. at least for now he is. They're talking to people. I mean, it's like Cooks is a guy that he's been around the league. You could plug and play. What he does is just be super fast and catch balls behind the defense. So you can kind of plug and play that player in any offense. And he's just kind of wasting. Danny Amendola yesterday, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, Danny Amendola versus Anthony Miller for the least fantasy relevant (laughs) asset in the entire league. (laughs) Perfect, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, but, but I will say there are two guys kind of vying to be the second target on the team that do intrigue me. Nico Collins, who we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast. He's basically Kenny Galladay. Before the draft happened, you were talking about Nico Collins. Well, because he was – before the draft happened, I looked at him like, dude, this guy's built exactly like Kenny Galladay. Same size, same speed, and then he went at the same draft spot. I mean, the Nico Collins actually went like four picks before where Kenny Galladay went, but it's like – the same matchup, you know what I mean? So interested there. And then with the veteran tight end, Jordan Akins, I mean, we've seen Tyrod Taylor be a play on a team with Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, LaShawn McCoy. And in two of those years, two of those years, Charles Clay was his number one pass catcher and number two pass catcher, Charles Clay. So, yeah. I mean, there's a possibility that Jordan Akins gets, gets some looks. And if they decide to just say, hey, sorry, Jordan, you're 29. we got to figure out what's going on with this team for the future. Maybe Brevin Jordan, the rookie tight end, comes in, gets some looks himself. So, I mean, there's in these tight, in these wastelands, there are opportunities. I mean, we've seen it before with like Jimmy Graham being the second target after Allen Robinson. If the target, if there's a, a spot somewhere on that pecking order, then, you know, someone's going to take it and they're probably going to have some relevance, you know. Yeah, there's two stories that I'm looking for, and it's actually in the running game. We know that that James Robinson should be the guy here, but for whatever reason, Carlos Hyde was getting a lot of work during the preseason. No. Uh, it would be terrifying if this turns into more of a timeshare where Robinson ends up splitting time with Carlos Hyde for whatever reason. And then on the flip side with Houston, they brought in two other running backs to compete with David Johnson, Mark Ingram, who everybody thought was pretty much out, and then Philip Lindsay. Uh, who you know lost his job in, in Denver for no real reason other than he can't pass block and is now in in Houston. Who is the lead back in Houston? How are they going to use those three running backs? Was it all a you know a charade? Was is David Johnson going to be the guy after he averaged a career best 4.7 yards per carry last year? You so are. I need to know how that backfield is going to work out and where we should hopefully get an answer here in week one. I mean, my role, man, in my opinion, some people don't believe this, but I believe that pass blocking is a big part of getting those snaps. And if Phil Lindsay has never been able to do it, we're talking about a guy that's always ranked outside the top 100. But again, this podcast can't entirely be about pass 
pass blocking. So let's bring it. <laughs> it, can't bring us, a, it can't be about third down pass, pass yeah. blocking backs. You sure? <laughs> we'll talk to Howard and see if we can get our own separate additional podcast where we just talk about pass blocking running backs and the the pass blocking of tight ends and, and yeah. how that affects. But yeah, let's move on to the next team. Take it, right, take us away. We got here another exciting one. We have Eagles and Falcons, high scoring game total. Uh, in this one, again, two teams that aren't projected to win many games. Uh, Philadelphia is actually projected for the fewest wins in the NFC East, which is surprising because the Giants are in the NFC East. And then you have the Atlanta Falcons, who took Kyle Pitts. They lost Julio Jones, not expected to win many games. But there's a lot of points to be scored here. I think for me, the, the biggest takeaway is where where is Kyle Pitts on the field? How is he being used? How are his tar- what's his target share? Everybody's worried because they're comparing about oh the history of tight end rookies and how they how they work out and Mike Ditka this and Jeremy Shockey or whoever it was then like this isn't them this is literally a wide receiver that's playing as a tight end he's gonna have numbers hopefully like a rookie wide receiver and not necessarily or necessarily a rookie tight end so that is where I am looking I'm sure you being the tight end guy that's where your interest is here as well yeah for sure I mean. So with Pitts, it's the same thing where it's like if Pitts is getting the usage, he's the guy. If he's not getting the usage that we think, then Russell Gage is a guy that needs to be added in a lot of leagues because Gage actually played 35 plus snaps in the slot in the games where Julio played. But at the end of the year, when Julio was hurt, that actually flipped. He was playing 35 plus snaps outside. So it complete, his usage completely changed. He was playing a completely different position. So for me, one way or another, coming out of this game, I'm either going to like Pitts or I'm going to like Russell Gage. And on the other side of the ball, with the Eagles, you would think that what I'd be thinking about would be tight ends because that's pretty much all I think about. But I already have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen there. Earth should play a bunch in the slot. Goddard is inline rule. What's interesting to me on that side of the ball is the running backs for the yep. Eagles. 100%. Right, because you got Miles Sanders who dropped eight balls last year, led the league in in drops, not only drops for running backs, but in drop percentage, 22%. Right, so Kenneth Gainwell is the scary word there. I do know of some some running zero RB truthers, namely uh, Kevin Tompkins, who is a, a big Kenneth Gainwell fan. So we'll have to see what happens. I mean, if Miles Miles Sanders has a lead upside, if he can figure that out, but if he can't. He could just become another one of those backs that's splitting time, right? Yep, 100% with you on that one. Uh, that was, again, we, we went on the same podcast and we talked about how I was, I'm very high on Miles Sanders because it's not the skill set in terms of running the football. He's averaged almost over five yards a carry. He's an explosive play, big guy. But you're right, it's, he can't catch the football. There's too many drops and, and that's why they brought in Gainwell and Scott's behind him. So that's what I am also looking for. Uh, next game on the slate, we have the Chargers versus the Washington football team, maybe soon to be renamed Washington football team. Apparently, they're closing in on that chain. This one, to me, I guess I'm curious to see how good this Washington football team defense is. Like, we know there's a lot there, there's a lot of hype around them. They're the number one defense usually taken off the board. They, they have just a monster front seven. They're, everyone's expecting a bunch of sacks. This is a great test for them in week one. They have a unique running back to handle in Austin Eckler who can show tremendous versatility in terms of both running and catching the football. They have to deal with Keenan Allen, who's one of the best receivers. They have a great young quarterback in Justin Herbert. They got to deal with Mike Williams. Now, I want to see if this defense is up to snuff and really there to be a, a stopper this year, and this is a good test for them out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, our own Adam Ronis, who's uh, excellent at defenses, he's got them in his, I think he's got them in their own tier, right? Not even yeah. putting anyone else in that uh, Everybody tier. has them basically 
creme de la creme, top. And for good reason. I mean, they, they can give you eight sacks, three fumble. Like, they're, they're a menace on mm. the defensive side of the football. Montez Sweat made one of the, I think, the greatest play I've ever seen a defensive lineman make where he chased down Cam Akers. He was behind the play and chased down Cam Akers, who's in open field. Like, the dude is an athletic freak. And then, of course, he's young as well. So I want to see this defense because this is a good test for them to open up. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, like that's a, the defense looks big. I mean, and with Curtis Samuel now potentially being out, the offense could look very similar to what it did last year. So not super exciting there. For the Chargers defense, I do want to see um, the return of and now I'm totally spacing out the amazing safety that they have that hasn't. He basically played six snaps the year before last. And then he he missed all last year with a yeah, uh, yeah he got hurt uh, earlier on early on right. in the season so yeah and on the on the I can't believe I'm I'm spacing on the uh, the name if you wouldn't mind looking that up but on the other side of the ball for me I what I would love to see in this game for the Chargers offense Derwin would, James Derwin James that's the name yep fantastic player and it's good to see him finally back so on the other side of the ball what I'd really like to see is and this this is very specific, but I'd love to see them throw the ball downfield. Maybe to Mike Williams. He's a perfect target for this. Yeah, in the end zone. Yeah, great target. In the end zone and the pass interference on the defense in the end zone. So the team has to come all the way down. They could send anybody they want down to the goal line to plunge this in. Is it going to be Austin Eckler? Is it going to be Joshua Kelly? Is it going to be Justin Jackson? I'd love it to be a situation where it's like, okay, first and goal, and we don't have an offense on the field because it's you know, like a 40, 50-yard bomb. Who do they send down there to plunge that in? I mean, that that's really the only question. If it's Austin Eckler, then he could be he, he could be the steal of the draft. Yeah, I'm a, I, I agree with you. I, I think that the upside someone like that brings to the table, that's what you're looking for, and that's why you're you're drafting him where you are, right? You're just looking maybe to see if he hits, and then if he doesn't, you can kind of make a decision going right. from I mean, with there. the thing is, with Joe Lombardi, with the Lions, he threw the ball to running backs in 2014 150-plus times. So I think Eckler's going to have right. a pretty good floor. The real question is, can he be the real deal, the, the full Howard Benner has him, has him ranked third in PPR. So... Mm-hmm. He's he's high on him. Again, as we're recording this on Wednesday, we're getting updated practice reports kind of live. Eckler apparently was seen off the practice field today riding the stationary bike. Did he tweak something? Did he pull something? Well, I mean, we'll find out as we, on Friday when the official team practice report comes out. But that would be a big that'd be a big blow if Austin Eckler missed a lot of time last year due to hamstring injury. Maybe you know? they told him his his workload was going to be so big that he wanted to make sure his cardio was up. hopefully yeah so they put him on the bike they were like it'll make sure you're really pumping over there because you're getting a lot of carries Uh, next game next game on slate we had pittsburgh steelers going into buffalo to face the bills you know where for me i i think this is looking at Najee harris he was somebody that i wasn't really high on this year because of the offensive line play that we were expecting from pittsburgh to not be too great Everybody just preached volume, volume, volume when it came to Najee Harris as a reason that he was worthy of being a guy that went between pick 10 to 15, essentially, in drafts. So I want to see that. I want to see how does he run behind this offensive line against a Bills team that is generally solid defensively, especially at their front seven. Is that volume going to be able to you know, make him a fantasy relevant player, even if the, the Steelers offensive line isn't really there? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's really the the big one because it's such a it's also such a new shiny asset. Everyone wants to see that. In the Steelers offense, they actually are kind of in the same position as those first two teams, the Cowboys and the Bucks, where now they have Pat Fryermuth, right? People seem to have high hopes for him, but they also have Ebron, right? When you have it, two guys like that, when you want to go jumbo sets, especially when your line isn't great, you're you send two tight ends out there. With these with this team last year, it was easy. They basically said Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, you guys are the veterans, so Claypool comes out. Now Claypool is the big split end who's been there another year. I'm interested to see who's getting the the lion's share of the snaps at wide receiver, if anyone's coming out, what the mix is like. So that's always my thing is that there's a lot you can glean from that. And after week one, when you look at it, if it seems clear enough, that's when you can really buy low and sell high on guys where it's like, okay, it seems this year for some reason, Juju's the guy coming out. Maybe you, if you have Juju, you try and sell him. And same thing with the Bills to a certain degree. I mean, it's kind of a running back coin flip there, which we kind of get to see the answer to. And again, they also have four wide receivers. I know there's a lot of Gabriel Davis people out there. I like Emmanuel Sanders. People used to like Cole Beasley, but then he went crazy. So, you know, I still think again. Beasley's the guy here, though. Every, I know everybody's a down. I've been, he's been falling in drafts, and I keep on like checking him, like, does he have COVID? Why is he still here? And then I'm like, all right, well, he's not, doesn't have COVID. He is still here. He was the number two receiver last year. I know that they brought in Emmanuel Sanders to take the John Brown role. You've talked about this a lot. What does Emmanuel Sanders have left, though, right? Like, Sanders has sort of been trending down for a few seasons here. He had the foot issue in camp already. Beasley's been healthy and available. It's just been this COVID problem that's been hanging over his head. Uh, Beasley, I think, is becoming a really great bargain to where he's going in drafts. You know, I'm getting him late, you know, mid-teens, you know, or, you know, late rounds here. Yeah, I mean, if you can survive the jokes when you pick them, it's it could be worth it. I mean, nine hundred yard receiver in round fourteen, you know. Right. Yeah, and I mean, if if Emmanuel Sanders takes that John Brown role to heart, then you might be right because I mean, they're both field stretchers who are older and get banged up a ton. I mean, that's what opened the door last year. And Emmanuel Sanders, it's like the team couldn't go out and get. I mean, I feel like these field stretchers like Will Fuller and stuff always kind of get banged up, but they couldn't go out and spend just a little bit more money on like a Marvin Jones or somebody. Yeah, uh, I hear you. Uh, anyway. Next game here, we have the San Francisco 49er versus the Detroit lions. It's it's, we're not expecting much out of the lions here. I think we're, they're going to feed heavy TJ Hawkinson. Yeah. Supposedly Swift is good to go. So he'll involve when it comes to me with the 49ers here, I want to see the, how they're going to use their target share. Last year, we talked about when Samuel Ayuk and Kittle were all available. It was only a four game sample size, but Kittle had averaged 10 targets a game where Samuel and Ayuk averaged five and they were only getting about three and a half catches per each between the two. I want to see how that target distribution is going to work because if it's as heavy to Kittle as I as it was last season, those who invested early draft capital in Ayuk are in for a long, long season. Yeah, I mean, it's really scary with those over unders, the FanDuel over unders that show that you know they have Kittle, they have Kittle way ahead of everyone, eleven hundred, and it's like Ayuk and Debo down, yeah, under nine hundred, both of them. So kind of spooky there. And again, and the other one, everyone's gonna be looking at the quarterbacks, but I mean, for me, the quarterback stuff that sorts itself out. You know what I mean? I don't need to watch that and decide anything myself. The decision gets made by the coaches. So that's why for me, I. You know, we're always going to be watching the quarterback. So I'm never going to throw out there, hey, make sure you watch the quarterback so you can 
try and decide of who's going to start. It's like, that doesn't matter to us. The coaches will tell us there right. with, with Raheem Moster and Trey Sermon though, you might be able to pick up on something who's playing pass downs, who's getting the goal line carries, how, like where, who, how is it being split up? Because that's such a good offensive line that if someone can kind of get the, get either the bulk of the carries or the high leverage carries, they could be beast there. But the Lions, it's just so wide open, new coach, new quarterback, the whole deal that I just want to see who's going to be out there in two wide receiver sets. If Amon Ross St. Brown can be the flanker and move to two wide in a move, sorry, move to, if he can be the slot guy in three wide and move to flanker in two wide, then I'm interested. Otherwise, you can drop him, right? Because yep. he, he's just not playing a big enough snap share. But, I mean, yep. the Lions, again, interesting to see with the running backs there. But that team is, once again, they're the NFC version of the Texans. They designed this team to be trash on purpose. Yeah. Vikings, Bengals, next game on slate, I think the— Biggest story for me, and I think a lot of people is going to be what happens with Joe Mixon here. Gio Bernard is gone. Is he going to get that full workload? He has our guy Chris Evans in the mix potentially as that third down back. But, you know, he looked good during preseason, but they keep on talking about Mixon being that guy this season. We're going to get a chance to see it in week one against the Vikings. I mean, dude, you say Chris Evans as our guy, and I know I have to support us as a podcast and your amazing call as it looks so far, but... My guy is Joe Mixon, so I really do not want to see too much of Chris Evans. I mean, I would love for Joe Mixon to be the dude and Chris Evans to be the dude if Joe Mixon's out. But a split backfield here would just be such it would be so much more of the same that we've already seen with Gio. So just not excited to see that. And honestly, I'll tell you right now. I'm not excited for the to watch this Vikings offense or there's nothing I really don't think there's anything new that, that is going to come about from this week, right? I mean, it's like two wide receivers and a running back and that's it, two dads and a baby. That's the, that's the show over there and it's going to be the same as it's always been, especially with Irv Smith out. So, the Vikings uh, that's what makes those guys such good picks for fantasy, those three guys. Dalvin, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Because they got nobody else. It just makes it so easy. I'm with you. And and you're right. I mean, maybe we'll see what happens at Herndon, right? Does he get involved early? Or Smith's that role? Who knows? You know, that's what probably the only other thing that maybe uh, sticks out there. Jets, Panthers. I'm loving the revenge game narrative that's in this one. Mm -hmm. Carolina acquired Sam Darnold from this offseason. Darnold's their starting quarterback. They have Robbie Anderson, of course, was with the Jets a few years back as well. Christopher McCaffrey is back. So for me, I want to see how this Panthers offense runs with Sam Darnold, which should give them a little bit more of a downfield threat than they had with Teddy Bridgewater last year. Yeah, and I think, uh, which is huge for DJ Moore, right? Because that, that's what was killing him. And um, I think by the end of this game, we should be able to figure out, maybe in deeper leagues, hang on, but we should be able to figure out if Terrace Marshall is going to be able to make any sort of impact. We should be able to figure out if Dan, Ard- Dan Arnold is going to make any impact. If it's really just highly consolidated among DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, then just move along because because last year people were hey like holding out the hopes with Curtis Samuel but the reality there was when CMC got hurt he didn't really get the pass work he needed he had 40 carries for 200 yards and two touchdowns you know what I mean like that's not happening for anybody else this year so there's really only room probably for two pass catchers so if it's not split super evenly among the three guys then I'm out on Terrace Marshall Dan Arnold, I probably wasn't already in on, but you know, who knows? It's a, it's a new year. So on the other side, the Jets, it that's so wide open. It's another one where it's like, I just want to see it. I just want to see 
who's got to imagine Corey Davis is out there. Yeah, for they, yeah, exactly. Right. Corey Davis. So they gave him the money in the off season. Jameson Crowder is currently on a COVID IL, but he, they say he may be cleared to come back before Sunday. So we'll see what happens. Cause if he's, it could be Elijah Moore, it could be Keelan Huge. Cole, who has been actually been getting starting reps during the preseason as well. So that's something maybe worth watching. Also a guy that nobody's really talking about, when it comes to Keelan Cole, but the fact that he's been starting during the preseason, I think is at least something worth uh, paying attention to. There. Then, of course, the running back situation. They named Tevin Coleman the starter. They said Ty Johnson is the backup. They drafted Michael. But how does this all plan out? And can Tevin Coleman even stay healthy for this game? Right. It's just a huge, wide open mess. And even Denz, we didn't even say the name of Denzel Mims, who got really sick this offseason with food poisoning. Right. And now he's battling back. So it'll be nice to see. They might just run pseudo tryouts and no one will matter. But at least it'll be a fresh, interesting game. That 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 is an interesting game. I wish it was at four o'clock rather than one <laughs> o'clock because there's too many games on at one. We have multiple screens. There could be Cardinals, Titans next game here. Tennessee, right? Like new new offensive coordinator. They brought in Julio, supposedly ready to go week one. They have AJ Browns ready to go week one. Do they take carries away from Derrick Henry and move towards this downfield offensive style with Ryan Tannehill? I think that's the biggest story here. Yeah, I mean, I doubt Derrick Henry all of a sudden at this point learns to catch passes. So he really needs, he's never had more than 20. He really needs the volume, the run volume. So it's just a matter of whether they can support two guys. We've seen plenty of situations where the targets are highly consolidated and Two guys are top 12. I mean, we saw it with Juju and Antonio Brown. We saw it with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders with the Broncos. And we've seen it recently. Last year, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen were both top 12 wide receivers. So we've seen that. And we've also seen situations where the team doesn't run enough and neither guy gets enough work. I mean, the Browns have kind of looked like that as of late. Where like, even Odell and Jarvis are both there, but they just running the ball a ton and it doesn't doesn't matter a whole lot so uh definitely interested to see that in the cardinals game i i personally care about one thing more than anything else which is the slot role christian kirk is he going to take over that larry fitz slot role as was has been rumored for quite some time or is rondell Mel- Moore going to make a big splash and impress and kind of jump him in that slot picking order both guys are going to play no matter what, because they run so much four wide as part of the air raid. But one guy is going to be the guy that's out there in three wide receiver sets. I think it's going to be Kirk to start. I have more Kirk than Rondell Moore, but I mean, that's the battle, you know? Yep, 100% there. I want to see how they use Edmonds and, and Connor. There's a lot of talk about how Edmonds has had one carry inside like the five yard line over the last like three seasons or something. And Connor's been brought in to be this red zone play. But I want to see how they use it. They, they, they kind of leave out the fact that Edmonds actually has caught and touched on passes from when they've been within that 10 yard line range. They only talk about the lack of running ability. Well, Kyler Murray is a, is a goal line back in Arizona. That's why they haven't really necessarily needed someone to be the goal line back in Arizona. They want to spread out the defense with the Chase Edmonds out there and let Kyler find the hole and run. So, yeah, I want to see what happens here. I've been big on Chase Edmonds. I think he's the reason he's the sole survivor, right? David Johnson gone. Kenny Drake gone. Chase Edmonds is the one constant there in this offense so far. So I want to see how he plays there. Next game, Browns cheat. I mean, I, I feel like we know there to me there's nothing i'm like going to be surprised to see maybe you have something different but like the browns are going to try to run the ball with nick chubb patrick mahomes is going to throw the ball to travis kelsey and tyree kill does anything else happen here for you yeah i guess i'll just throw it out odell interested to see you know if he shakes the rust he's very polarizing player 
Uh, I think he's still got upside. A lot of people think he's dust, but we'll see. And then with Chiefs, whether Michael Hardman can claim a full snap share. But I mean, beyond that, you're right. We we kind of know what these teams are, so not not worth deliberating. Although I think the game will be fun. This is this is a good 425 because it'll be fun game to watch. But we kind of know what to expect, like you said. A game that has more interest for you and I than maybe others. Dolphins Patriots getting a 425 start here on opening opening weekend. I mean, Mac Jones is the story, right? How does Mac Jones play? How does the Patriots offense look with a traditional quarterback that's not a Cam Newton RPO type guy back there? So that's that's where I'm looking in this game, of course, outside of the fandom interest. Right. Yeah. I mean, like if Hunter Henry were fully healthy and practicing and stuff, then I'd be more interested in in thinking like, okay. Is Henry the guy? Is Johnny the guy? But with him being kind of banged up, I don't know if we're going to get the full answers, the full look there. But yeah, I mean, Mac Jones, that's that's going to be fun to watch. This Dolphins offense, I wish, again, it's another I wish, but I wish Will Fuller wasn't suspended and we could ha- see the full offense and see who's the priority, who's playing every snap, is lining up in the slot again. But now we're not going to get a look at the full offense here. So I guess I'll throw in that uh, you and I have enough Malcolm Brown rostered in deep best ball leagues to for us to be at least interested if he's going to play some of those uh, high high level. i need him to not be jordan howard i need him to be more involved than what jordan howard was last year which was four carries for three yards and a touchdown i need more than that i need to i need some early down work maybe some passing down work even he i was surprised to see the number of balls malcolm brown caught last year i thought henderson was like their their pass catching back, but Brown actually had more catches than Henderson did last season. So I know they talk a lot about Gaskins and his versatility and his ability to play all three downs, but I want to see where Brown is used as well here. Denver and goes into New York to face the Giants, Broncos here. I want to see how Court and Sutton looks coming off that torn ACL, but also quarterback play with Teddy Bridgewater, who are his guys this season. I think we'll know right off the bat if he's going to target Judy and Fant, if he's going to take some shots with Sutton. Is is Sutton going to see a, a change in role? Is he going to run more intermediate routes? So like It felt like last year they took Robbie. They not, It felt like they did. Robbie Anderson had always been the deep guy. DJ Moore was sort of the intermediate, and they flipped him, and that's why Anderson had the better season, it felt like, than Moore did. Right. Yeah, that's that's the big thing there for me. If it's if it's going to be how, what the target distribution will be between those three players, Fant, Sutton, Judy. And I think on the Giants side, we can all agree the number one storyline, Saquon Barkley. Does he play? How much does he play? Is he limited? Are they using anyone else in a complimentary complimentary role that could stick? You know what I mean? So, I mean, is there anything else in the Giants that you really, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if Eng, Evan Ingram is not going to play prob, most likely, right? Can Daniel I mean. Jones be competent against a good defense? No. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Packers Saints in a neutral side game here. They're playing in Jacksonville, actually, right? Because mm-hmm. or in Florida somewhere because, yeah, they're playing in Jacksonville due to Hurricane Ida. Um, I guess for me, it's like how invested is Aaron Rodgers? You know, like after the offseason that he had, how does he look? But Adams and Aaron Jones and everything like that, does, does he really love Randall Cobb that much? Like, I want to see this Packers offense. Yeah, it's the, part of it for me, too, is that, like, so now you're, you, Corey Lindsley's gone, the center, and Dave Bakhtiari's banged up. How pissed is Rod? Like, Rodgers could be such a wild card if he wants to be. Like, what's stopping him from just listening to the play in his ear and just calling whatever play he wants? You know what I mean? Like Devontae Adams could get 25 targets this game. It could be every time they're in the red zone because they kicked that field goal last year instead of going for it. Like 
Rogers could just call his own number whenever he wants. You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of crazy to think about that he could do that and what would stop him. And he probably did it a ton last year. So uh, interested to see if he's, like you said, kind of if he's like subordinate, if he's dialed in or if he's just kind of being a summer fling Aaron Rodgers. And then with the Saints, the number one thing for me, I've been, I've been kind of pumping him all off season. He's such a low, low, crazy low floor, but high ceiling play. Juwan Johnson for the Saints. Does he get that slot role or is he just kind of a guy they were trying out in preseason? But if he does get that role, he now has tight end eligibility. I like to think due to a, an extensive campaign by me and the boys from Reddit and Twitter. So he's available as a tight end. If he gets that role, could be interesting because targets are kind of open with no MT there, you know? Yep, I 100% agree there. Next game on the slate, Sunday Night Football, Bears at the Rams. Uh, we have the debut of Matthew Stafford with the Rams. We have the running back situation to look at with Sony Michelle ready to go, apparently, for week one, and Daryl Henderson. How is that split going to work there with after the Cam Akers injury? And then we got to start taking bets on how long Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback for Chicago. Yeah, I think you nailed it with the Rams that it's like that now is the thing because we we were all so, so so sold when they were like, oh, put Daryl Henderson on bubble wrap, put him on ice and don't play him in the preseason. But then they traded for Sony Michelle. So that's the big thing there. Again, with the Bears, same situation for me for the 49ers as a fantasy gamer. I'm watching these games. And by this point in the evening, you know. Sometimes I probably had a couple beers and might not be as intent, but I like to look at it and say, what can I glean from my fantasy teams in terms of the quarterback stuff? That's out of my control. You know what I mean? Like there's no, you know, the Justin Fields is owned in the leagues where he's owned. He's not in the leagues where he's not. And there's nothing I'm going to see that's going to tell me that Dalton's going to get benched this week for fields. I feel like. So for me, I'm looking at where, where the targets are going. If Cole Komet or Jimmy Graham, can emerge. I think they've been they've been saying Cole Komet's prime for a bigger role, so I hope he is. Interesting to see if Darnell Mooney can take a step forward as kind of a field stretcher. And I know Jalen Ramsey's all offseason has been talking a little trash with Darnell Mooney back and forth on Instagram and stuff. So Jalen Ramsey never one to shy away from a tussle. So interesting to yeah, see yeah. what will happen there. People are pretty high on Mooney this year, and someone and recently I think it was there was like a, a a compilation package of highlights where Darnell Mooney was just wide open. And that whoever the quarterback was at the time for Chicago, because they scrolled through Foles and Trubisky and like they they just couldn't get him to football. It wasn't that Mooney it was covered. He was beating coverage wide open and just bad, bad quarterback play. I don't think Dalton is great, but maybe he's better than Trubisky was or Foles was and can get them to get him the football a little bit more. And, and maybe Fields can, too. Let's round this out here, Coop. Monday night football. We have the Baltimore Ravens going in to Las Vegas to face the Raiders here. Obviously, the injury to J.K. Dobbins is the big story. You know, does the Gus bus ride or do they really split shares with Tyson Williams here? Yeah, that's the big one for me, too. I mean, the Ravens, they're always going to mix and match at the wide receiver and tight end. We kind of know what they do there. It, you know, not super exciting, but that that's the real thing. How's it going to look? How does Tyson Williams look? Because if Tyson Williams doesn't look interesting or explosive Le'Veon Bell is waiting in the wings so it could be a big thing I know in the Scott Fishbowl you grabbed Tyson Williams I believe didn't you I did $30 off the waiver wire he went as low as $15 in my conference as high as $60 in my conference so I got, I got him in the middle 30 bucks seemed fair to me 
right? I put more than 30 bucks on him, and I didn't get him. I got Juwan Johnson, but he went for 40 in mine. There was a zero RB guy that dropped 80, dropped 80 out of his 100 bucks on on Tyson Williams and Tony Jones Jr. So he he went all in on that. But when you go zero RB, those are the stabs you got to take. Yeah. For the Raiders, it's for me, it's Kenny Drake. I have more shares of Kenny Drake. <laughs> in underdog fantasy and DraftKings best ball this season that I probably should be willing to admit to. But we talked about it a lot during the the season podcast. They gave him $11 million this offseason to be their backup running back. And they've talked about using him not just as a handcuff to Jacobs, but as their third down back, as potentially a wide receiver at times. They just absolutely love his versatility. And for whatever reason, I think they want to try to preserve Jacobs a little bit. This is a guy that's been injured at the end of seasons recently. He's had some trouble. He hasn't really even been with the team this week yet either going into this week and for the week one. He's been away from the team. So who knows if he's dealing with an injury or a personal problem or what's going on there. So something to monitor in terms of Josh Jacobs status heading into this week. Also, they have a Monday game, so they get plenty of time to figure that out. But uh, I really want to see what happens with Kenny Drake here. Yeah, me, me too. I mean, they made him, if you really think they made him one of the highest off-season free agents if you don't count aaron jones who resigned with the team he was with he was the highest paid free agent he got paid more than chris carson he got paid more than mike davis all these other guys so i'm interested there and i'm just like just like you i have a lot of him in uh, best balls and things like that because i just looked at the the rankings and i'm like why is kareem hunt going this much higher than Kenyon drake this is like our these arbitrage plays what we talk about where it's like this guy plays this role and he has this potential but this guy's going rounds and rounds earlier a lot of those situations i couldn't i wanted to draft kareem hunt but i couldn't draft him with Kenyon drake sitting there so i would just wait let hunt go and then Kenyon drake i don't know if that's necessarily always the best way to play it but I just sometimes players that are available later prevent me from drafting earlier players. You know what I mean? Like I look at like Gerald Everett coming as the third, the tight end, third wide receiver versus Noah Fant as the tight end and third, third pass catcher. It's like his existence prevents me from drafting this guy. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be interesting to see you know, what, what happens and how the week one plays out, Coop. So we have a lot more of time between today and kickoff on Sunday for us to get more news that could change our takes. Of course, we're going to have a DFS podcast coming out. We're going to get all of our DFS content out as well. Coop's got the tight end coach. My quarterback coach is already out and published. We got the running back coach. We got the wide receivers coach out there. Howard Bender already has... The watch list. Adam Ronis has his seasonal weekly ranking. So, like, we have chalk loads of content for you guys coming throughout the weekend, leading into Sunday. We've got a live stream going where all your questions can be answered in our premium Discord. You can get into our Discord for as little as $9.97 a month right now. And that gives you also access to all seasonal content and rankings and projections for the year, just $9.97 a month. They are going to fanstone.com slash nflq so check that out if you want to get in to discord and get your answer your start set questions answered uh, by myself by coop by bender by rona so we're all going to be in there for you guys on sunday to help you guys win your leagues coop final thoughts here i mean that that's the whole thing i mean i'm not sure if any of you guys saw there's an article up on yahoo finance that you know shows that our company was essentially acquired by this bigger company that's a gambling company and they are allowing us to produce all this content and that's what's allowing us to do these discounts that we've really never done before right the promo code labor that's 50 percent off you can use promo code coop on dfs promo code kickoff right now as well 50 percent off 
kickoff is 50% off promo code coop. It's like all these things that we haven't been able to do, like they're giving us the opportunity to, you know, spend more time on content, creating better content. So it's, it's really a beautiful thing. So now is if you've been a fantasy alarm member and you did the lifetime membership, then now you finally are reaping the benefits of us taking things to the next level. Like we always said we were going to, if you haven't, they're giving you a chance right now to, to get in on that before it turns into something that all of a sudden fantasy alarm is this the thing that we've always wanted it to be and maybe it's not as cheap as it is right at this moment so i uh, just want to say that that this is a beautiful time in fantasy alarm history i mean it's has have things ever been more exciting than right now john no like i said we we, we are we have all of the ability now to make this product as great as it's ever been and trust me we are uh, not resting on it we've been Hard it to get ever. As, <laughs> as much content literally as possible for all of you guys to go out there and be successful this season. And you have, if you are in our premium discord, I'm telling you, you have access to us pretty much all day. Like we're in there. One of us are in there. You see our names highlighted in red, highlighted in blue and blue. That's your fantasy alarm experts. I, tonight, again, we're recording here Wednesday. It's the final night before NFL season. I am literally your personal draft assistant tonight. So you're listening to this on Thursday, but I've been tweeting about it all day. I am in here in the Discord answering questions. We'll be like that throughout the season. Waiver wire, start sit, DFS. All week, we're in here helping you guys out. So uh, be sure to be part of the family. Get in on these deals that we got going on. Because right, like Coop said, you don't know when they're going to go. So jump on them now. But for Coop, I'm John Pemba. We will catch you guys next week.